What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome back to Who's Talking, the podcast where we talk about all things Doctor Who. I'm Michael. And I'm Maggie. And this week we're going to be talking about the second of Doctor Who's 60th anniversary specials, Wild Blue Yonder. The TARDIS takes the Doctor and Donna to the furthest edge of adventure. To escape, they must face the most desperate fight of their lives with the fate of the universe at stake. I don't know if that could have been vaguer. That, that, that is a, that's a good place finale levels of vague. Yeah, that, that is, uh, you, you really, really get a good grasp of what's going on. Uh, the TARDIS drops them off somewhere and they have to do a thing. Doctor Who, everybody. <laughs> Drops them off is <laughs> certainly certainly a turn of phrase. That's that's one way of putting it, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you know what? Uh, Spoiler-free thoughts are. I guess it was good. Yeah, spoiler-free th- thoughts. It was good. Uh, it was very. Um, it was very much like midnight. I thought in terms of like a Doctor Who horror episode, we haven't had a good one of those in a while. It's very Midnight plus Heaven Sent plus Can You Hear Me in a blender. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I would go with that. And, which I think is interesting because the the production team didn't want anybody to know anything about this episode. To the point that they pretty much didn't give access to the press any of it either. Which made everybody think there was going to be cameos or you know, 60th anniversary shenanigans that you wouldn't want leaking. And that's not really the case. No, it was very straightforward. Like, it didn't feel like it was trying to be an anniversary special. It was just an episode of Doctor Who. I saw I saw something on Twitter where somebody said something along the lines of, it's the most expensive, cheap episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> yes, that, that, is, that is probably true. That is... That is you could see uh, they had some pretty great special effects shots in there where you're just like, oh, okay, we have Disney money now. And then there was that corridor, that, that, main, that main hallway that looks like it's just David Tennant and Catherine Tate standing in front of a green screen in and front you're of like like, a video oh, game background. They lost the Disney funding. <laughs> <laughs> and like, what's sad is it's kind of a cool background, except it just looks so fake to the point that i was like maybe it looks fake on purpose and they're gonna reveal that like they're not actually in a hallway and they're in like a room that's simulating a hallway no they were in a hallway and the hallway just looked really bad for no discernible reason the car was real though at least the 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 sittable part of the car yeah and the robot was real and then all of the other hallways were mostly real it's just that main one inexplicably wasn't real and you can absolutely tell when they're standing in front of a real set in this episode and when they're standing in front of the green screen. Yeah, I mean, plenty of episodes have good CGI and bad CGI. Now, this had such phenomenal 
CGI when it was good and so that it made the bad CGI look so terrible. It's it's impressive. It's almost impressively unsettling some of the bad CGI in this where it's it's like wow, I'm impressed that it looks this questionable. Once upon a time had better green screen effects than this. <laughs> I don't know that I'd go that far, but No, I'm going that far. I watched <laughs> A significant. I lasted a significant amount of the way through that show. I deserve to be able to go that far. It's it's wild what was CGI in this and what wasn't. Because you know what you think would be CGI? The hands. Those like rubber hands. Oh my god, those hands were not CGI. It was insane. Yeah, though they they built these giant monstrosity hands. Oh, by the way, we're getting into spoilers now. Oh yeah, yeah, spoilers. Uh. David Tennant and Catherine Tate play themselves as evil villains as well. So by play themselves, I mean play the Doctor and Donna as both the Doctor and Donna and then also creatures from the void of nothing space who have taken the form of the Doctor and Donna. And that's the plot of the episode. Also, the TARDIS abandoned them. And the Wild wild Blue Yonder is there as a music cue. Which is delightful. It sounds like it's going to be super dramatic, and it's not. It's it's just a song. <laughs> it's just a music cue. But uh, so the villains of this episode are these creatures that I think we're called like the No Things, which is cleverish. But yeah, they're they're called something like that. I don't know, but they're they're creatures from literally beyond creation. So they're they're nothing trying to be something and their way of becoming something is that they are basically trying to copy the doctor and Donna's physical form and also brain so they can trick the TARDIS into taking them away from the ship and letting them wreak havoc on the universe. Yeah, they, they, they're very excited by the prospect of war. Which maybe now that I think about it might be why Wild Blue Yonder played. Yeah, that makes sense. The TARDIS knew the whole time. And so in trying to take their form, they don't quite get it right. It's very Clayface. It's very, very eerie when it like first starts happening and you're just like, oh, oh, that's what this is. Especially with the fact that they had the real, the real freaking hands. But then at times it definitely also crosses the line into like comedy really quickly. Oh yeah, with the jaw. The jaw was both horrifying and also laugh out loud. And the... Them knotted up in the corridor. This episode is just, it's so audacious in its, its lofty goals. And then as it kind of stumbles across the finish line, it's, it's just so Doctor Who-y. It is. It's, and like, I want to be mad about the CGI, but I kind of can't be because the episode is so good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, it's a really good script carried by even better performances that's slightly hampered by questionable CGI, but not to a degree that the episode isn't enjoyable. It's more that it's a really good episode with questionable CGI and you just roll with it. Which is what science fiction should be, let's be real. Yeah. I mean, and and speaking of the script itself, I think it's, I mean, it's easily up there with like Midnight and Turn Left as like top tier russell t davies scripts this is like it's a low-key two-hander 
about the main characters basically exploring their trauma for 50 something minutes. It's beautiful and it's it gives uh David Tennant and Catherine Tate so much to work with. And so you you get the full range of everybody. It's phenomenal. I mean, and David Tennant again gets to show that he's not just playing the 10th Doctor again because he's like he is weighted by the things that have happened to the to like to particularly 13 in this episode. Oh yeah. I mean that that is that is one traumatized boy. And you see that there's this almost relief on his face when the person he thinks is Donna is telling him that you know she remembers what he's been through and he like he has that moment where it's he's like he doesn't want Donna to know but also he now has somebody that he can share it with and the devastation when he realized it wasn't Donna I think I think it's that thing of he needed to be told that the flux wasn't his fault and then he gets that for a second and when he realizes it's fake it just breaks him and then there's that clip that they used in the trailer of him oh my god like, pounding smashing the wall. the wall there's no world which i would have predicted that that scene was because of of them actually doing something with the flux trauma but i'm so glad it was it's funny i didn't want them to address flux at all just because i just don't enjoy that storyline and it was it was so beautiful the way they did that because it was nice it was just like was in there it wasn't they didn't make a production i mean i guess it is a production because they were on set they produced the whole thing but i don't know it was it was a good way i think to address it because it does it does need to be addressed i mean i know i just said i didn't want them to address it but it did need to be addressed what's a very natural way of addressing it it doesn't feel like they're just like taking off a continuity box it's like oh this thing is deeply affecting this character on a fundamental level and that needs to be addressed. And I think that's one of the things that's really, um, you can really only get that with this two-hander type episode where it's really, it's like you're watching a play almost. Mm -hmm. And you can go in depth with the characters so much more when you're doing it that way. Right, there's there's all that breathing room to let them wander through these emotions rather than being like tugged one way or another by beep the meep or the toy maker or whatever like there are these moments and even when they are like facing this big threat it's also them as well so it like up until i guess the last like 10 or 15 minutes even when they're dealing with the villain stuff, it's they think they're talking to each other. So you get that thing that a lot of dramas do where it's like overheard conversations and miscommunications because they think they're talking to one person, but they're actually talking to someone else, which gives you that extra little bit of, you know, like tension, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, and there's that bit at the end where um, where the doctor takes... Donna's hand to pull her into the TARDIS and he takes the wrong Donna. And I think that that was stunning. 
Because you don't expect that. The doctor is like, oh, he's always right. But in this instance, he's not. Because it was such a arbitrary, quick thing. They had no way of sitting down to confirm that. When I think what's like extra gut-wrenching about that scene is that you absolutely at first believe he's got the right dog. You do. Like, that test seemed like a good like barometer to to leap over and then as the TARDIS is disappearing and you Oh my god, and Catherine Tate starts there, screaming and you're just like, Oh you're like, my oh. god. And I'm like, I know I said last week that I need Donna to die, but this is not what I meant. <laughs> not like this. Absolutely not. And she's just watching the flames and I'm just about to burst into tears. I'm like, no, this can't be how this happens. Speaking of stuff you said last week, we're jumping all over the place here, but this is one of those episodes where the plot's very simple. But you mentioned, we, we talked last week about how, about the resolution of the Dr. Donna stuff. And yet it seems that Maybe it's still there because she talks about it being in her head still in that last in the last scene when the doctor's asking her if she so I guess rewind when the doctor's talking to fake Donna fake Donna mentions that when she was the doctor Donna she has all the doctor's memories which is how she knows about the flux and about the doctor being the timeless child and all that and the doctor confronts Donna at the end of the episode about it and asks her if she can remember what he remembers. And and she says no. She says it it burns or something like that. But it's the way she says it as though it's in there. Like she could if she looked at it, except it would it burns her. Which to me implied that all of that we let it go stuff from last week isn't the case or she was referring to the time in between when she and rose let it go but she said it in the present tense not in the i know burned i know i'm 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 hoping for there to be a i'm hoping for there to be a through line here but i'm just thinking if there is a lot going on next episode and they don't have time to address it they might just be like oh yeah she meant when in between saving the day and letting it go. Because she did yeah. say at one point, you know, back when I was the Dr. Donna. I don't know. It's just the... There were interesting choices of phrase when they were all dealing with this Dr. Donna stuff this week. That, it, that really puts question marks on what seemed like a resolution last week. Which makes me very happy. Um I am I'm very excited to see what happens next week cuz I think there's going to be a lot of little things that come out whatever happens in the episode it's going to be like oh that's why they did this that and the other thing that I didn't even realize were out of place until we get the answers. And I think I think that's going to be the case cuz they've been, they've been talking a whole lot about a lot of different things leading up to or that will be like culminating in the next episode, like the why is David Tennant's face back thing, which they keep mentioning repeatedly, even in this episode when he's looking at the giant face of himself and he's like, this face is back and now it's big or whatever he said. I just can't imagine looking at a giant version of your own face. I would 
I would pick out every single flaw. It would just, it would not be a good time. I would simply perish. That would be the end of me. And it would uh, not be a good time for anybody. You would turn into goo, like Donna does at one point. Fake Donna. Which, let me tell you, that happened. And I was like, wait, I remember this happening to Amy Pond. (laughs) The gangers are back. I was like, this better not be what's at the end of the universe. (laughs) (laughs) Weird flesh golems. Touching on the end of the universe thing, I, the episode kind of suggests this isn't the case, but I think it almost is more interesting if, so there's this whole thing, the episode kind of confirms that the flux destroyed half the universe. And when they did that at first, I thought they were going to go the route of saying that like, this episode is only happening because the flux destroyed half the universe. And so now there's more empty space. And I, it's almost kind of a shame they didn't. Cause then they also make a point of like immediately after the doctors, like says something along the lines of when we're at the edge of creation, the creation that I had destroyed or whatever. And I don't know, like it was such a weird, not weird, but it was, it's one hell of a coincidence to mention the thing that destroyed half the universe in an episode about creatures from outside of the universe and then not have the thing that destroyed half the universe have caused this episode. I think it's interesting that they put a finite edge on the... I mean, it's not finite because our puny human brains can't understand uh, the complexities of space. Which they make a point of saying so that they don't have to explain it. Yeah. Uh, Which is always fun. But I thought it was an interesting choice because we've had such a history of Doctor Who going to not the edge of the universe, but the end of the universe. Yeah. And this is, I believe, the first time that they've gone to the edge. Like, they haven't implied that there is an end. Like, an edge, a finite space that counts as universe and space that counts as nothing they usually just deal with multiverses and the idea that there's nothing in between multi in between each multiverse but not the idea that any specific universe has like a barrier yeah which is interesting i hope they touch on it again me too i think that would be fun you know little multiverses instead of being so separate. They're like little fenced-in yards in suburban neighborhoods. Imagine just standing at the edge of one multiverse and waving at the person at the edge of the next multiverse. Just like, hi! Got one, one multiverse is just like peeking over the edge of the fence. Like, howdy, neighbor. <laughs> it's, it's very, that's a very uh, home improvement of you. Thank you. That's what I was going for. <laughs> and then you've got... There's, we know there's an, there's pocket universes that exist as well. Right. And I think, I don't know, I think it would be interesting if we just had something that mapped, not mapped it out. I don't want a map. But if I- Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I get enough pieces that I can make my own puzzle. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? It does. So I'd love something, I'd love to, I don't think that it would work in an episode, but if you could get something, if they could get something in like a big finish audio or a book that just right. has more detail about how Doctor Who's multiverse works, because the, you know, the multiverse we're all familiar with that has been such a part of culture, pop culture the last unfortunate amount of time that I'm not going to say because I don't want to reveal how old I am, um, is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that was explained as early as the release of Thor. But, you know, we've had that specific interpretation of multiverses that pretty much anything else that has dealt with multiverses has used. And I'm curious, I just, I want to know more about Doctor Who's interpretation and, you know, how much variance is there? I mean, Doctor Who's even done a little bit of multiverse stuff with, the Cyberman two-parter in Tenant's first season, where you've got, you know, like, oh, Ayu, yeah. Pete, and, what was it, Ricky? I mean, that's where, like, that's where, um, Metacrisis Doctor and Rose ended up going off happily ever after. Speaking of Metacrisis Doctor, what do you think's happening to him right now? Because, like, like, Dr. Donna's over here having a whole lot of various crises you think you think metacrisis doctor is also having some crises i think metacrisis doctor is probably um getting his child ready to go to some big high school event and realizing like how fast time passes which is crazy because he's lived like 900 years and you wouldn't think time Mm -hmm. would feel as fast as it does that's fair he's like oh my god it's just a blip it's all just a blip and he has to, like, process his own mortality at the same time he has to process whether or not to beat up his daughter's prom date. I'm just, I'm just saying it'd be kind of funny if him and Rose are just going on about their lives. And now that Donna's remembered who she is and, and all of that's happened, now, now something funny is happening with Ten Two. I would love to see it. Just, just a little, like, just a little side plot, just a little short. <laughs> a cutaway gag. <laughs> Their sitcom life. I, I want to see it. <laughs> what else happened in this episode? It feels like so much happened in this episode, and yet... And yet also nothing. Like, it was it was one storyline. It just got to be elaborated on so in-depth. But, like, speaking of shorts, we did have a short little bit in the beginning of this episode. Oh, where, where, the, where the TARDIS is flying around and hits an apple tree? 
Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was this lovely little outside of everything else that was going on. Just a brief little moment of comedy to get get us kick-started. Significantly better cold open than last week. Yeah. And we meet um, a striking young fellow uh, who is going to go do some math, gets hit in the head with an apple, and then the doctor shows up. <laughs> so instead of, you know, nature taking its course and Isaac Newton becoming Isaac Newton, it gets kick-started. Slightly incorrectly. And and the doctor and Donna do their their favorite thing where they like to spoil future events for famous historical figures and uh, accidentally give one Sir Isaac Newton the term gravity, which he then misremembers as mavity. And that comes up multiple times in the episode. I'm really hoping that that's not a one-off. I'm hoping Mavity comes up again, because I feel like that's something that one of those ridiculous, just in-universe little things, you know? Like how um, the alphabet is slightly different in Doctor Who. Have you seen that theory online? No, I don't think so. Okay, so it's like the order of the letters is wrong. It's like T-S-U-V instead of S-T-U-V or something like that. Um, okay. Because... Somebody said it incorrectly in an episode in, like, the 80s, and they have never bothered to correct it. Like, that is canonically what the alphabet is <laughs> in Doctor Who. That's amazing. Like, it's just it's just never come up again. Mm -hmm. I hope this does come up. I want to hear... Oh, it I has to. I don't want somebody to say grav start saying gravity because it needs to... It needs to happen. Or any, sorry, Mav, Mavit, Mavity needs to happen. I want to hear the 15th Doctor, like, look at Ruby and say gravity and her to look back at him and be like, what the hell's that? Don't you mean Mavity? You have Disney money. Get Sarah Bareilles to come on. Rerecord her song. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be iconic. <laughs> it's just such a delightful little thing. I was, I was watching The Unicorn and the Wasp the other day. And it's the, it's got those scenes where the doctor and Donna are like desperately trying not to spoil the titles of various Agatha Christie novels to Agatha Christie, and that's exactly. But they do anyway, and so she gets it kind of wrong, and that's exactly the vibe this had. The, the, the doctor and Donna desperately trying not to spoil something, spoiling it anyway, and then making it fundamentally wrong now. Which because gravity just as a concept comes up. As often as it does in any science fiction franchise, it needs to come up again. I just think the Mavity thing is such a delightful little Doctor Who thing. And I, I, I hope it leads to what's it's interesting that we're, we're heading into a little bit of basis speculation about what might be happening next. It's very interesting that when they get back to present day earth and it's been like a day or two since the star beast ended according to what the doctor says and all hell has broken loose presumably because the toy maker is there and this happens after the doctor and donna rewrite time by making gravity mavity can you imagine if that little change is what allows the toy maker to break into the universe i think that would be hilarious especially if you look um like, there have been specific references to the fact that, like, the butterfly effect isn't really a thing. 
And I would love that to just randomly be a thing. Not because it is a thing, but just because it's this particular thing. Yeah. Have I said thing enough times? Nah, you could probably do it more. Thing, 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 thing. I think what's more likely, though, is that you get the, there's this scene in the TARDIS at the end of the episode where the Doctor is very angsty over the fact that he invoked a superstition at the edge of the universe. And I think that's probably more likely what opens the door. Oh, probably. But imagine if it was Mavity. It's, you know, it's the combination of Mavity and also the salt trick that opened the door for the toy maker to come in. You have to have both. It doesn't work without both. That's the, that's the, that's the key. That's what opens the door. And then I guess speaking of the ending, Wilf is back. It's time to talk about Wilf. Wilf. This was the only episode that Bernard Cribbins was able to film for Doctor Who. Yeah, it's his last um his last Doctor Who scene. His last theatrical today. appearance at all. Which um got me a wee bit emotional. <laughs> I just think it was it's an it's nice that he was able to do it one last time though. It is. It's I think it's it's a it's a beautiful way to have done it. And it also seems like in the they released some behind the scenes footage today and he seemed so delighted to be back too. He did. Which I think really adds this extra little bit of joy to what's kind of a melancholic scene, even though in context it's not like in the context of the story it's not a melancholic scene, but in the context of the real world. In the context of Whovians. Yeah. Where he, you know, sadly passed away last year. It it just takes on this other meaning. And it's, so it's just this really nice moment that the, the Doctor and Donna get to see Wilf one more time. And as the Doctor says, all is right in the world. And also, I... I love the idea of whatever chaos that's going on is going on and Wilf has taken it upon himself to keep an eye out on things. He's just he's just sat there on the on the corner of the alley, just Dr. Dunn will show up again. Yeah. I'll just wait. They'll show up. They'll fix it. Whatever chaos is happening. I just it was just so nice to see him. It was such a beautiful moment. Uh, you know, uh, surrounded by absolute mayhem. Which was really fun. I was not expecting a plane. Right? I wasn't expecting... I mean, I expected some of that because it was one of the public filming things. But the plane. The plane really was uh, out of nowhere. Out of out of left sky, so you might say. <laughs> uh. I stand by that one. I stand by it. I'm so proud of you. Thanks. Thanks. But uh, presumably, I mean, not presumably, this is obviously the lead-in for the giggle. Everybody's obvious, you know, the, the giggle mentions the synopsis is that there's a laugh that all of humanity is hearing and it's driving them mad. And that's obviously what's happening here. But like, what the heck happened in the two days or whatever since, since they left? I don't know, man. It's going to be fun to find out. And we're going to get, um, we're finally going to see whatever's happening with uh, Shidigatwa and 15. We're going to get that iconic what the hell is going on here scene. With the, with the fake background, we're going to have the unfake background. 
But also curiously, they in the the next time trailer they showed David Tennant regenerating in front of the fake background. So what do you think? Do you think it was the fake background implying that it's the same scene, or is it the fake background and they're completely different scenes, but they're both too spoilery to show the real background? I assume it's the same scene, but can you imagine the sheer chaos of it being like completely different scenes? And they were like, you know what? We already created a fake background. What if we just used the same fake background again, even though it's a different location now? I mean, there was a Doctor Who writer on Twitter uh, that said, I can't believe nobody's figured out the anagram yet. What anagram? <laughs> there was no anagram. He just like let people believe there was an anagram for a couple hours. That's iconic. <laughs> so everybody, there were like a bunch of tweets where people were trying to figure out what the heck Wild Blue Yonder was an anagram for. <laughs> and I sat there and came up with some. Oh. Looking forward to this. Downbill Dairu. Dunbuild Rye Led. Loner Dubai Wild. That's Boy, a good one. we endure Dill. <laughs> Lie Below Dry Run. That's a good one, too. Ruddy Lion Below E. Bend Your Willed. Beyond Rude Will. That's what, that's what Will Byers' mom says to him every time. Every time he decides to give her any lip. Beyond rude, Will. <laughs> uh, I think my favorite is is Boy We Endure Dill. <laughs> <laughs> my favorites were all the ones that make absolutely no sense and just sounded like it was a collection of syllables you'd strung together. Under Below Idle. <laughs> Dry Will Be Done You. Dry Will Be Done You, Maggie. <laughs> Dry Will Be Done You. No, it's you like the letter U, so it's Dry Will Be Undone University. <laughs> Contrary to what any listeners might believe, this is actually not being recorded at one in the morning. Speaking of next week's episode, what are you hoping to see? I'm really hoping that we get the Temple Noble family back for like a substantial bit and not just like a wrap up at the end bit. Yeah. Because I would love to see more of Rose and, of course, more of Sylvia and Sean, but mostly more of Rose because I just think she's a delight. Spunky little 15-year-old. I would just like her to play a, like a substantial part in the plot as well. I know there's a boatload of characters already between the Doctor, Donna, Kate, the Toymaker presumably the 15th doctor for possibly more than two minutes wouldn't it be awful if the what the hell is going on here line was the last line of the episode <laughs> like david it's Tennant regenerates into shirigatwa and then shirigatwa said can somebody tell me what the hell is going on here and that's how it ends that would be that'd be audacious i would love that actually i think i would kind of love that it would be such a choice no i want to see this is the final of the 60th anniversary specials. I want to see the anniversary of it, which we got a, a bit in Power of the Doctor. We got to see all of, you know, the doctors who came before and we got some old companions. And so I understand if that, like, from a production standpoint, that wasn't feasible to do that twice. Uh -huh. But I really would love to see 
this show do something that acknowledges the longevity of the narrative. Well, Mel is coming. I don't know if she's coming in the giggle, but she's coming at some point. Uh, she was a companion for the primarily the seventh doctor on TV, but a little bit for the sixth doctor. And she's coming in at minimum during Shooty's first season, but I know there were rumors. And keep in mind, we haven't seen the final episode. This is things that were rumored. Uh, there were rumors that she was in one of the anniversary specials too. So with her not having been in the previous two, if she's going to be in any of them, it would be next week's. But she's coming, so they're going to do something with her at some point. That would be exciting. I'd like to see Joe, too. Yeah, Joe would be nice. What's funny is that Katie Manning like re- repeatedly says that she would come back to the show anytime they asked her. But wasn't she an episode in an episode of the Sarah Jane Adventures? Yep, she was in uh, Death of the Doctor, I believe. It was uh, she came and Sarah Jane and all of the kids went to the doctor's funeral and it was a whole thing. And then uh, this is with the eleventh Doctor at the time, and he's like, "Surprise! I'm not actually dead." And him, Sarah Jane, and Joe end up on like another planet for a little bit, and they have a little conversation, uh, which was really nice. Where, like, it's the typical, like, Doctor talks to old companion about how he still checks in on them kind of conversation. But it's really sweet because it's Joe and and it's Eleven and it's Russell writing for Eleven for the only time he ever wrote for Eleven. And, you know, I would really love as well to see, I mean, I know that the new Who Doctors sort of pop up frequently. But we really haven't seen... We haven't seen 11 since he regenerated. We haven't seen 12 since he regenerated. Although, you know, Peter Capaldi has been very clear he's not coming back. Um, that's not what he wants to do. Yeah. I think uh, if, he were, if we're going to see a returning Doctor, it'll be 11 or 8. I'm pretty sure 11 was, like, in the area. Because he, he was doing... I mean, Game of Thrones films, films all around the world, but like it would not have, it, it's not an impossibility logistically for him to have popped over to um, Cardiff for a minute. My wish list also includes River and Clara. I mean, we don't need another Rose shout out. We got that with the 50th. Martha. But say, can we have Martha come back with Unit, please? Thank you. Can we have Martha come back and just like fix everything about how they ended her character? Yeah. Donna got a do-over? Where's my Martha do-over? I cannot tell you. I was... I mean, you know this because I told you, but I was convinced that the reason Freema Ageman left The Resident was to do this special. I remember that, yeah. I was so convinced. And I don't have anything telling me I'm wrong yet. I will in approximately seven days, but not yet. (laughs) Well, we'll just have to uh, come back in seven days and see if you're right, Maggie. I guess we will ha- have to do that. Uh, so uh, I guess that does it for this episode of Who's Talking. And I hope the rest of you will come back in seven days, but I hope the rest of you do as well. And join us next week as we break down the final 60th anniversary special, The Giggle. Bye, guys.
Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.